0: So good morning, Eastside family. We want to welcome you today. We're extremely glad to have those of you who are with us live streaming. We want to let our children, as you can see, where's everybody going? These are our children and parents who are taking their kids pre-kindergarten through fifth grade. They're headed to junior worship. So if you're new here and you're a guest with us, we're delighted to have you here and if you have a child in that age range. Kind of follow the crowd that's going in that direction. Certainly want to remind you, as I do every Sunday that we... One of the very important aspects of of our worship is our offering that we bring to God. And we have four ways that you can give your offering. You can mail a check to the church address. You can give an automatic you know, draft with your bank. A lot of people do that, and it's quite easy to do. You can go online to our website, click on the little box that says give, and follow the instructions on your way out today. To those of that are here in person, you can drop off your offering in the basket that is there. And to those of you who aren't here, especially to you, Ben, Thomas, and Laura... I know that you're at home watching. Um, you did a fantastic job, young man, with that reading. And we're very certainly proud of you. We love you guys. And those of you that aren't with us on live stream, um, you're just as much a part of this family, and we want you to know that. And we understand you're not able to be with us, but we love you, certainly. And I also want to tell you something really important. That guy that was in a wheelchair that Matt had, um, does a great job. Matt always does with these readings, that gave us a greeting. His name is David White Dog. He died this past November. He lived on the Indian Reservation, uh, the Cheyenne, I forgot the name of the reservation in South Dakota, Cheyenne River. I've been there, I don't remember the name of it, Reservation in South Dakota. He was a light for Jesus for many years. I had the honor of going with Deb and Steve and, to, uh, and we sat in his home that he uses as an outreach to the poor and the needy We read the Bible together, and we had communion together. It was a sweet, sweet uh, time of church with them. He passed away this past year in November. Deborah's going, Stephen, I'm not sure if you're going, whether this weekend to, 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 Deborah's going to the reservation to continue one of the ministries of, of this church to care for the most impoverished county in our nation. And so, shepherds, when we stand at the end of the service to have a prayer, I would encourage at least one of you to go, and let's gather around her, and let's say a prayer for her. Let's take our, as she lays this weekend, let's take our Bibles and turn to none other than Jude, Jude 20. And if you are here and you're carrying a heavy burden on your heart, so much so that you can't pay attention because you need to pray with someone, our prayer room is open this morning. Just follow the directions that way the signs that will lead you there. There are some people right now that are praying for us in our service and they would be delighted to stop and have you come in and to pray with you as well. The mission of our church, the mission of the church, the mission at Eastside is to make disciples of all nations and there's basically, that means three things. Leading people into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, first of all. And then second of all, it means to take them and not just leave them at the point of baptism, but then to take them and help them grow and be developed and and nurtured and and to grow into the image of Christ. And then part three is to help them do that with others. To become a disciple, to grow as a disciple in the name of Jesus and allow their lives to be used to make disciples of all nations. That is our mission. That is what we do. And then we have a vision which is that which helps us to carry out our mission and that's stated in three simple terms you can see on the screen here to connect and to grow and to serve as you can see by the picture it's a cyclical process one always building on and leading into the others this is how we do it our vision is how we carry out our mission we connect and we grow and serve for the purpose of making disciples of other nations and there's many ways that we seek to connect and grow and serve here to make disciples of other nations but i would say one of the strongest ministries, one of the most important ministries in this church to carry out the vision of our church, to connect and grow and serve, to make disciples is our life group ministry. It is, it is an incredible opportunity where we gather together in small groups throughout the city for fellowship, for prayer, for nourishment in God's word, for support and for outreach. This is one of the strongest ways you can connect with God through connecting with other people for, for, uh, in, in support and, and for relationships and so spiritual and, and um, personal growth in your faith. And I mention all that because we're going to be kicking off our life groups. We're hopefully hopefully, coming out of this COVID stuff. We've got a little threats going on. And as we seek to move forward, we want to kick off our groups. And as we're looking at kicking off our groups and we're looking at the groups that we have, we realize we are needing new groups with new leaders. And we're realizing that because we have a lot of new people who have been coming to our church family who need a place in a life group to connect. And we have a lot of our members who are not yet in life groups. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not a life group leader, and if you would like to open your home perhaps to, for for uh, this for a life group starting in the fall, there's a table back there, and after service, I'm going to be standing there, and it's got a big orange couch just like the one you see on the screen. I'm going to be there with a couple others, and we're going to ans- answer your questions. It's not complicated to be a, a life group leader at all. It's just if you can be friendly and loving and supportive and open your home or go to someone else's home and just ask one question, what in the world was Eddie trying to say today? Let's figure that out. If you can do that, then you can be a life group leader. So come and talk to us. We would certainly like to, uh, we we need a good number of other people to, to serve in this ministry. So as we look now in our Bibles to the New Testament letter of Jude, and we look specifically to verses 20 through 23, we see that Jude actually touches on one of the very important aspects of our vision, which is to grow. So I want us to look at that this morning. As I already talked to you, Jude is writing this letter and it's primarily to call God's people to fight for the faith. And this is in response to the attacks that were coming against the church and the Christian faith. And so he spends the bulk of his letter identifying those who were bringing this subtle attack on the church and identifying the nature of the attack. And so now he shifts, ge- shifts gears in verses 20 through 23 and he tells us this Is how you fight for the faith let's read in verse 20 but you dear friends by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life be merciful to those who doubt save others by snatching them from the fire To others show mercy mixed with fear hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. As we notice, was it actually two weeks ago, or was it last week? I can't remember because we did a, a back to school Sunday. As we noticed in our last lesson in Jude here, the main point here is to keep yourselves in the love of God. That's the primary point that he's trying to make. And we mentioned in the lesson that this basically means to keep yourself in the place of the closeness, the, the security, the blessings and the will of the Father's love and to not let any of these negative influences that are in the world and that are creeping into the church to pull you away from where you belong in the Father's love. But our problem Problem with that is to say keep yourselves in the love of God that's kind of uh, that's just incredibly generic how how do you do that so Jude answers that question in three ways he says build yourselves up in your most holy faith pray in the spirit and rescue those who are being pulled away from the faith I want us this morning to look at only one of those at the first of those build yourselves up in the most holy faith. And there's three points I want to make from this phrase, which basically speaks into the growth aspect of our vision here at Eastside. Here's the three points. Number one, the spiritual growth, your spiritual growth is your responsibility. Point number one. Point number two, the spiritual growth of your church is your responsibility. And point number three, the words of God are the seeds of growth so that's what I'm gonna be talking about this morning so if you're wondering keep that in mind now no, let's go to this short phrase and see how we find those three points here Jude is calling his readers in response to those who were in the church working to tear the church down he's calling them you work against that to build the church up," or we could say he's calling us to grow And it's really interesting, the word that he uses in the original language for build literally has built into it the word house. It's in that word, and it basically means it's something like building a house, the placing of one layer upon another. And if you're using a King James Version, I think the King James does a better job in translating this verse because it doesn't say, as the NIV says, build yourselves up. It says, building yourselves up in the most holy faith. That conveys accurately the sense of it's, it's a continual and active sense of the verb. What we're talking about is not something that you do and then it is done. It is something that you actively and continually do. And If you've ever owned a house you get that, right? A house is not something well you build that house and then once it's built it's it's, it's done and everything is finished. You know the work on a house. I'm outside working on my house right now. And when I get through with that project, there's going to be another project, the work on my house is actually never done. A house that is left to itself, a year from now, I'm not going to look at it and go, wow, it's so much better. The roof is in better condition. The paint isn't much better. No, a house left to itself suffers, I think I'm correcting using this term, the second law of thermodynamics, entropy. And the house ends up looking something like this picture. And sadly, this picture reflects the spiritual growth and the building of what's been going on in some of our lives today. You grew, you became a Christian, you spiritually grew and you, you came to this, this place of, of growth in your faith, but for whatever reason you're building or you're growing, it just kind of Stopped. Maybe you became lazy. Maybe you became apathetic. Maybe you got distracted with work or with school. Or maybe your priorities got misplaced. And so basically you were like an airplane that that was growing and climbing and climbing. And then you came to this, this cruising altitude. And you leveled off. This is a good place to stay. And you put your spiritual life on autopilot. But the spiritual life, our growth in Christ... It has no cruising altitude. You're either either climbing and growing and becoming more like Christ or you are on a slow, subtle, gradual decline. You never stop growing as a Christian because the objective of your growth is the image of Christ. And we're always going to have plenty of room in working in the direction of becoming more like Christ. Christ. Now, I want you to notice something here, particularly a repetitive thought that's in this verse that's going to help us make our first point. Let me read it again and see if you notice the emphasis. He says, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Did you get the emphasis? Jude here is using the second person. So that means Jude is talking to you. You building yourselves up in the most holy faith. He doesn't say, actually, what I just said, he doesn't say the most holy faith. He says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. This is your faith. And this makes the point, therefore, the growth of your faith, your spiritual growth, is your responsibility. He's not talking to the preacher. He's not talking here to the elders. He's not telling the elders or the ministers what they need to do. He's telling you what you need to do for you because you see the spiritual growth in your life is your responsibility. And it's important to understand that spiritual growth is not something that just happens spontaneously in your life. I promise you, you will not wake up a year from now and randomly look more like Jesus. How did that happen? Growth occurs because you're actively, intentionally, continually growing and, and making effort enabled by the Holy Spirit to become more like Christ. And here in the context of Jude, Jude says this is how you fight for the faith. This is how you combat your attack, the attacks that are coming at you in your, in your faith. If you're not actively playing a role in growing in your faith, then don't be surprised if you're, if you're weak if you're frail spiritually, and if you're falling to temptation. In 1 Peter chapter 1, and this is a passage I've given you to consider for reading in your life groups, he says, God has given you everything you need to grow. But then he says, make every effort. God will will not Work in your life to cause you to grow. you will not experience growth. He will not build you up and material you in your faith without your effort. And I think this is important, because I've heard it said before of some people, whether in this church or another church, I've heard it said, and you probably heard it said, oh, "I'm just not growing here." And so they go to church somewhere else. I remember, it reminds me whenever I hear that, it reminds me of when Karen and I lived in in the Czech Republic and we had just moved there. It was actually Czechoslovakia when we just moved there. And so as a missionary, the objective is to learn the Czech language. Well, we were there with... All these other American organizations who had just come there uh, right after the revolutions that occurred, and we were there with other missionaries from other organizations, and our objective is to learn the Czech language, and so all these Czechs thought, well, we'll open language schools. So there were a lot of Czech learning language schools for English speakers like us that had opened in, in the city where we lived, and so you would be talking to somebody, and he said, well, I was going to this language school over here, but I just wasn't. I wasn't learning Czech at that school. And so then he said, so I started going to this language school over here. Man, I just couldn't learn Czech at that language school either. And so he started going to this language school over here. And they're moving from one language school to the other school, paying as much money as they can, hoping to learn the Czech language, expecting them to do for them what they need to do for themselves if that made sense they're looking for a magic school to teach them Czech without them putting any effort into it all and as a result they never learn the czech language if you know anything about learning a foreign language great to have a school Great to have a teacher, that's needed, but it's going to involve as well your effort. I believe that far too often in the church world, far too often Christians are looking for a church, they're looking for a preacher, a minister, a worship minister, a youth minister, or a church program to do for them and to do for their family what God is calling them to do. Your spiritual growth, Jude is telling us, is your responsibility And when you take responsibility for your spiritual growth, it has this contagious influence in the church. That leads us to point number two. The growth of your church. Notice I didn't say the growth of the church. The growth of your church is your responsibility. Here in verse 20, not only do we see the second person used three times, meaning he's talking to you, but we see all three times that it's used in the plural, meaning he's talking to you. Y'all, so said a a boy from Tennessee, or you guys, for those of you who are are above the Mason-Dixon line. Think about it. What would this church be like if every single one of us took personal responsibility for our spiritual growth? What would happen in the body of Christ here we would have unbelievably incredible growth if each of us took responsibility for our own growth, which in turn helps us take responsibility for the growth of the church. Which tells us if if we're not seeing seeing growth collectively in our church, it means far too many of us are not taking responsibility for our own individual growth and it's negatively affecting the growth of the church overall. And if you disagree with me, then you'll have to disagree with Ephesians four sixteen. This is another passage I've given you the whole first half of the chapter to read and to consider for your life groups. He says in Ephesians four sixteen, the church grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. I think I've mentioned this one before. So notice it doesn't say as the elders. Do their part. It doesn't say as the ministers do their part, but as each part. Does its work. Now you may sound like, well, Eddie's trying to get out of his job. No, read the larger context of Ephesians chapter 4. The larger context of Ephesians 4 speaks of the needed role. You need a language school. You need the teachers. We need the church. We need the teachers. We need those in leadership roles. But if the people in leadership roles do all of the work in the church, we are hindering you from growing and we are hindering the church from growing as well because the Bible tells us that the church grows and builds itself up as each part does its work so let me ask you are you doing your part what would this church to what degree would this church be growing if everybody in this assembly were doing their part to the degree that you are doing your part to help this church grow and i think this is important for us to understand because it's it's a painful I feel the pain and it's a sad reality in the church world that people become discontent with the church and they begin complaining uh, about the problems that they see and at times they leave but it's my observation often in my conversations with them that the very thing or the very things that they are complaining about are the things that they're not doing themselves because they're expecting somebody else to be doing it listen this is your church this is your family if you see deficiencies and problems instead of complaining and considering leaving it's more important that you step up and take responsibility for your role in the church so that leads us to the next point that we see here in the book of Jude because the question is well that's nice but how do you grow how do you do this and Jude tells us that the words of God are the seeds of growth. You see that third point in this phrase. I want you to notice that he says here, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. What's he talking about there? I do not believe that the most holy faith here is talking about one spiritual life or one spiritual walk, which we also understand faith to be. I believe he is referring here to the biblical doctrinal truths of what we believe that are given to us in Scripture. And I think that's exactly what he's talking about here in verse 3 when he tells us, you fight for that. You fight for the faith. In response to the liberal, progressive teachings and philosophies in our culture that are contrary to the Word of God and that are creeping into the church, God's people, Jude tells us, must build themselves up in the truths and the morals of faith. So we'll be able to discern what is true and to refute what is false. Church, listen, what we believe, it matters. How we live our lives matters, and therefore we must be firmly rooted in and growing in doctrinal truths. Otherwise, we're going to be sitting ducks, vulnerable, I believe, to the attacks that are coming against the church and the Christian faith. that are so pervasive in our world. He calls the faith here most holy because it's from God. Separate and distinct from all other faiths. It's not something we manufacture. It's not something that comes from my opinion or my interest. It's not something that comes from the current trends of the day, but it is that which is revealed to us in Scripture. God's word that is the source of growth, and so in another passage that I've given you, it's actually a parable in Mark chapter 4. I've given it to you in your life groups to consider for reading and discussion. If you're going, he keeps talking about life groups, and yes, I do because I'm hoping you'll go, and I'm not in a life group. And perhaps I should be. Yes, that's the very reason why I keep reminding you of the importance of that ministry. Well, I've given you is one of the passages to consider is this parable of the sower and the seed in Mark 4. And here he describes the words of God. He compares them to seeds that when planted into our lives produce fruit and we begin to grow. And so this idea of, well, how do, how do I take responsibility for my growth? Do I have to buy 30 or 40 different books on spiritual growth? No, buy a Bible. Because the Bible is a seed. The Word of God is, is, is a miraculous seed when planted into your heart and your life. It's not necessarily what you do, but it's what God does miraculously through the seeds of His Word. So here's the point. I believe that the degree to which you sow seeds of God's word into your life is the degree to which you will experience growth spiritually and is the degree to which you will stand or fall in the attacks that come against the church and our faith. So if you're not spending time regularly in God's word, if you're not letting the seeds of his word be planted in you, let's not be surprised and shocked that you're not growing and that you're weak and that you're falling regularly to temptations. I believe this is important also because... The more I listen to conversations, the more I see when I allow myself to to look on social media, some of the posts that are written in social media, the more I observe the behavior and the lifestyle and the decisions of those who regard themselves as followers of Jesus, the more I ask myself, are we looking in scripture at all? Far too many of us, it it, it, it seems as though are no longer spending time in God's word, letting the seeds of his word be planted into us. And so instead of building ourselves up in the most holy faith, letting God's word shape the way I live, letting God's word shape my worldview, letting God's word shape the way I speak and the way I think, it seems as though there's more and more people building themselves up in the most secular faith. Allowing ourselves to be so incredibly informed. Our thoughts and our words and our deeds. From what we read on the internet. From what we read from secular books. Feeding on Fox News, feeding on CNN, feeding on talk radio, feeding on NPR. None of these sources are bad, none in, in themselves, but it feels as though they are becoming the source of what we are terming is right and wrong, and they're replacing the Word of God. Now, I don't know if you have this on your phone, but it came up, oh, I turned my phone off. Which is probably good, but I have I have an iPhone, and this morning while I was teaching Sunday school class, a, a little notation came up on my phone that told me how told me my average screen time. Do you ever get that your average screen time on your phone? I asked the teenagers today to to tell me what their average screen time is, but I told them I wouldn't tell y'all what they told me. But it, it, it's pretty it's pretty high. I went on I went on the internet. And I typed in average screen time for the average American and you know I just went to one or two websites and that maybe is just totally fake news but it says something like 11 or more hours before the pandemic <laughs> and then it went crazy after that now that's talking about our our uh, our laptops our screens our our, our phones, and our um What I'm trying to say, the little iPads that we have as well. I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering what your average screen time is. I don't want to tell you mine, it's embarrassing actually. And I'm just wondering if we were to take a quarter of our screen time and spend that instead in the word of God. I'm wondering if we would took a quarter of the time we spend on Twitter, Facebook, social media, cable news, all the radio shows that we listen to, all the secular books, and just spend a quarter of that time building ourselves up in the most holy faith, allowing the seeds of God's word to be planted into our lives. What could happen to this church? The prophet Hosea stated of Israel, God's people then, many years ago, he said, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. I'm afraid to say that in a church among those who regard themselves as followers of Jesus, I see a growing biblical illiteracy that is setting us up for a fall as individuals and as a church as we face the attacks that are coming against us. Church, we're under attack. We must be strong against these attacks that are coming against us. And in God's mission given to us of making disciples, he has incredible things that he wants to do in your life and in mine. But Jude is telling us here, if that's going to happen, we must understand Your spiritual growth is your responsibility. The growth of your church is your responsibility. And the words of God are the seeds of growth. Jude's message to us today is build yourselves up in your most holy faith. To him who's able to keep you from falling... And to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory and majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. And the whole church said, amen. I want to ask that our shepherds stand and our praise team come up. We're going to go into a prayer time. And I want to, uh, Bob is, is going, one of our shepherds is going out into the foyer If you are here, there's one of our shepherds, two of our shepherds. You guys got this whole area to cover, okay? And plus, I've asked you to go and pray with Deb. I want us to gather around Deb and Stephen as she goes to South Dakota. Uh, Look, there's more people than there are shepherds. So if you know someone this morning that, let's stand together. If you know someone this morning that needs prayer, I want to encourage you to go up to them, reach out to them, pray with them. If you're one of those people, reach out to someone. Let's go before God now in prayer.